0: It's time to roll up our sleeves and get to work. This is Up and to the Right for the 48th week of 2016. On the menu today is an effortless income statements. Last week, we did an overview of the balance sheet. And this week, we're gonna talk about the complementary report known as the income statement. The second of a three-part series on reading, understanding, and getting the most out of basic financial statements Effortless income statements will cover what you, the business owner, can get out of it to improve your operation. Welcome to Up and to the Right, the No Nonsense podcast bringing you the art and science of business. This is where we cover things that matter, matter to small business owners, startups, and people interested in becoming entrepreneurs. We talk about increasing revenue, not buzzwords, decreasing costs, not short term trends, good operating practices, not theories. This is about sound business principles and how to apply them in your individual business situation. So this week, I wanted to go a little bit, um, we're going to skip the news segment, uh, and actually, I'll just give you forewarning, we're going to skip the uh, reading room, and, uh, and the suggested action state section is uh, still basically to get a copy of your financial statements similar to last week. Um, and the reason for that, uh, is I went, I'm, I'm going a little long. My podcast intentions are to keep these at about 25 minutes, um, kind of the average drive time. Um, uh, but, uh, I've been going into the 30, 35 minute range. uh and I want to see if I can, uh, narrow that down. And I, and I went long on my notes this time. So, um, uh, we're going to see if we can in, uh, cut some of this stuff out. And to be honest, so the news, I, there wasn't a whole lot of, of uh, specific things that were, uh, that I think were were worth talking about. Um, and uh, on the reading room, uh, I had read uh, a book and honestly, I can't recommend it for uh, most small business owners. It just, it, it didn't do enough, uh, didn't bring enough to the table. So uh, we're going to skip that this week, and uh, hopefully we'll get, actually, we will get back to it next week. The book I'm reading right now is fantastic, so I'll have a reading room item for you next week. Uh, so in the interest of trying to respect your time, let's, uh, let's get to it. So the, the ground rules for financial statements haven't changed, and what we're going to cover is uh, what the income statement is and how to get value out of it. What are the basic components of it, and what can we draw from that? As uh, a business owner, uh, we're not going to cover, as I said last week, we're not going to cover the history of double-entry accounting or every possible interpretation that you can that you can pull from your income statement. And uh, we're not going to overcomplicate things. There are uh, a lot of things that you can you can draw conclusions, you can draw interpretations, you can make, um, and certainly there are entries in some income statements that. We won't discuss because they're not applicable to uh, a majority of, of small business owners or um, simply aren't significant enough in the um, what I would call in the critical operations of your business. And, and we're going to talk about a, a little bit about those as we as we move through this. So um, and also we're going to we're going to try really hard to get past the lingo. So I will have to use uh, just like with the balance sheet, I am going to have to use phrases and words that are common to the income statement because quite honestly you're going to see them when you review your or excuse me not balance sheet income statement because you're going to see those phrases and terms when you review your own income statement and we need to be able to understand what they mean but I am going to go through and and define them in plain language uh, so that uh, you don't have to draw on, on your accountant to make every interpretation for you. So getting a, uh, first thing to do is if possible, get a copy of your own income statement and, uh, review it, whether you can do that during, uh, uh, the time that you're listening to this podcast or, uh, do it at a different time, uh, either way, but try to get a copy of your own. If you can't, uh, Pick a stock on the web, and you will be able to find an income statement. And you can actually just Google "sample income statement," and you'll come up with a a good uh, example. And uh, in many cases, uh, there'll be uh, well, in most cases, they're going to be almost identical to uh, uh, what I'm talking about because the income statement is very standardized, just like the balance sheet is. Um, I, a reminder from 2016: Why or not 2016, 2016 week 47, why would we even bother to review the income statement? Isn't that just for accountants? And uh, uh, just going back, I want to remind uh, everybody of the the phrase, what gets measured gets managed. And uh, uh, Peter Drucker is credit, credited with that uh, phrase or with at least with popularizing it. And the idea is that we, uh, if if we're going to, manage something or make changes to something, we have to have a, a way of measuring it, a starting point and uh, progress, a, a way of reporting progress. And then, and then what does success look like? And, and so um, we need to be able to measure the things that we want to control. And so that's you know one of the best reasons to make sure that you understand your, your financial statements. Um, they provide a real insight into the performance of your business. And like I said last week, the numbers don't lie, even if we'd rather they did. So, uh, you know, and in specific, so those, those things apply to uh, the, the business reports in general. But the, uh, what about the income statement in particular? And that is, is your business profitable? Uh, what's your gross profit? and we're going to talk about each of these, operating profit and net profit. And another another piece of that is, are your expenses reasonable? It is really easy to overlook an expense that seems small each time it happens until you start stacking all those little things up and you realize, holy cow, I'm spending a thousand dollars on coffee every month or whatever. Um, So it's it's important to be able to look at those things and and understand the aggregate effect or the overall effect of uh, a specific expense and then, you know, take a reasonableness check. Does, you know, if you had, um, just to continue that ridiculous example, if you had a thousand dollars, would you go out every month and spend it on coffee? And, and so uh, those are the things that we'll look at. At today is basically are, are we profitable in each of the three profit regions that the, the income statement shows? And are our expenses reasonable and and what can we do about them? So what is an income statement? Well, you might have also heard of it being referred to as a profit and loss statement, or PL, or as a statement of profit and loss. But the they all say the same thing. It's all a, stim, a widely accepted report that shows income from sales. And that's uh, what we call revenue. And it can be broken down if there's more than one revenue stream. So if I um, have a, um, a sewing store and uh, I, uh, I have cloth sales, I might separate cloth sales from sewing machine sales. And accountants make some distinctions between the terms cash, sales, revenue, and income. And, and for our purposes, we're going to consider sales and revenue to be equivalent for our discussion of the income statement um, and, and not dig into the, the various differences. But I will try to use the, the word sales throughout this discussion. Um, and we will just assume that, that also that, is, that sales are our income. So the next thing we look at, after we look at the sales or how much money our, our business is bringing in, we look at how much it costs to provide that product or service. So the, and, and that is, is generally called cost of goods sold, which, or uh, often abbreviated COGS or COGS, cost of goods sold. And it's basically the cost of the cloth that we're selling in our sewing store or the cost of the sewing machines from the manufacturer that we pay before we turn around to sell to the customer. And so we have, that's the first section of the income statement. That's it. It's income from sales, and you subtract the cost of the goods that you sold. So if you sold cloth, then, uh, you know, if we sell it at $10 a yard and we buy it at $5 a yard, then what we call gross income would be $5 on that sale. $10 of the selling price, less the $5 that it cost us to buy the cloth from the supplier, $5 of gross income. And so that's, that's the first part. It's very very straightforward. The next section is where we take that gross income and we start to take away the operating expenses of the business. And the operating expenses are, as the name suggests, the expenses that are required for us to be able to operate our business. So non-sales salaries, or people's paychecks who are not directly related to sales, office supplies, rent, um, electricity, utilities, those kinds of expenses that you can't tie directly to a specific product sale. So I sold this square yard of cloth, but I can't tie this pencil and uh, this portion of rent and uh, this employee's salary directly to that piece of cloth. So it's an operating expense because it's, a, it's a, an expense that covers a larger or or can be spread over the entirety of the business versus an expense that's directly related to one piece of cloth or one, one product. And when we take those operating expenses out we come up with what we've cleverly called operating profit, and operating profit is—spoiler uh, alert—this is my favorite number. Uh, when I look at the balance sheet, operating profit is the one that I feel is the best indicator, um, or the, the 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 best, most critical indicator that you can get uh, directly from a balance uh, income statement. Uh, and so, operating profit is—and why is that so important? the uh it takes into account the cost of the of the goods that we sell and the overall expenses that it takes to run the business the next things that are taken out of an income statement are uh taxes which you only pay if you've made money and so so from an operational standpoint is my business uh you know doing okay uh, that's not as critical because you're not going to have tax expenses, generally speaking, if you didn't uh, make money. And then uh, you have other things like interest income and, and things like that. Well, if, if interest income is what's making your business profitable, then uh, assuming your business is not some kind of financial business, uh, then you have another thing to worry about. Because you should not be so close to the, to the ragged edge that the interest on your bank account is what drives you to profitability or keeps you from profitability. So the, the, uh, these last few things that we add, interest, taxes, and other non-operating transactions, um, should not affect uh, in a, in a uh, significant way whether or not your business is doing well. So, but we do subtract those out at the end of the income statement and we call the last thing you're going to see net profit. And net profit is it. That's, we're really done. That's it. So there's three sections. Your basically gross profit section, which is your sales minus your cost of the products that you sell. Your operating profit section, which is now taking that Gross profit and subtracting out the operating profit or the operating expenses, and then you have the net profit section where you take that operating profit, and then subtract out finally the expenses that are not directly related to operating the business on a day-to-day basis. So your taxes, which you pay if you make money, and your interest that you gain uh, from uh, accounts, cash accounts in the bank, or or uh, other uh, financial uh, institutions. So what should we review when we look at an income statement? Obviously, we're going to look at revenue. And we can can look at if you've got your uh, income statement broken down by the types of revenue, then you have the opportunity to compare. For example, if we have uh, cloth sales and sewing machine sales in our business, we may uh, want to look at what what is the percentage of sales that are related to sewing machines versus the percentage of sales compared to cloth? And there are other uh, calculations that we'll make and we're going to talk about this in two weeks when we talk about ratios and and interpreting the financial statements by on a on a numbers basis. Um, but there are other comparisons that you might make between those product lines. And so we'll, to, for, for today's purposes, though, we'll look at what our sources of revenue are. And if they're broken down, you know, we might look at the comparison between the two and, and see um, which ones are providing us more income than others. Uh, but the question you're going to ask is, are, is your revenue as you expect it to be? If it's not, then what marketing could you do differently? Are you able to ship everything you sell? And this is an important one because if you sell something that you can't ship, then uh, it's called a backlog and that uh, means that you you have uh, the ability to make more money uh, or or have better business uh, results but you're not able to realize those results in a timely manner because of some constraint. And that constraint can be a production constraint, it can be a supplier uh, problem. So what that means is I can't make as much of my product as people will buy as fast as they will buy it. Or I can't get product from my supplier fast enough to sell it. And so what do we end up with? We end up with shortages, um, and this happens around the holidays, of course, which we're coming up to now, um, where uh, some products that are are very exciting end up uh, being in limited supply uh, because they're so popular. Well, the companies that have provided those uh, uh, end up having uh, either losing sales or having a backlog where they could have had increased revenue in the holiday season but they weren't able to ship the product, and so um, that uh, those sales then get delayed until they can produce the product. Uh, maybe you know next year. So, um, and then whatever the the issue that you think might be driving it, and this this could be something that you you might need to spend some time taking some notes on in terms of is it is it a marketing issue, is it a production issue? Um, is it a supplier issue? Uh, and then uh, take a look at what you can do to fix those things. And you may need, uh, A, you may need to do some some soul searching or some some research on your end inside your organization. And it might also be helpful to have a, a business coach or a, a trusted advisor that can help you sort through some of that. So the next thing we're going to look at, so we've we've taken a look at revenue. And now we're going to look at, Expenses and the expenses are uh, first the expense of the products themselves, as we mentioned earlier, or the cost of goods sold, and the operating expenses. So let's take each of those individually. The expenses for cost of goods sold are typically uh, pretty easy to uh, look at and say, okay, if this cloth costs me five dollars and I sell it for 10 and I get $5 in, in gross profit, um, you know, that, that may be great. If I have another piece of cloth that I can still only sell for $10, but costs me 8 from the supplier, um, selling that cloth may not be as compelling, be, because I've only made $2, where if I had sold the, the other cloth, I would have made 5 and so, but you can start to look at um, is your cost of goods sold providing you a good gross profit, and it's important to understand that that gross profit is not the only part of the equation, um, and and we're going to talk about that a little bit uh, more when we get a little further down here. But or our our cost of goods sold we can look at and and make sure that we are paying a reasonable amount for the material that goes into our product. Now, if you're in a retail environment where you buy a product and you uh, resell it, you may have a much lower margin on your cost of goods sold or a much lower gross profit uh, than if you buy raw materials and then do some kind of manufacturing uh, activity so you're taking uh, let's take that same piece of cloth and instead of selling a piece of cloth that we bought from a supplier to another customer let's say that we make a pillow out of it and so now we've added the value of of the creating the pillow and maybe it's very stylish maybe we're we're a very hip uh, pillow manufacturing company and um, so now instead of uh, we might have that same five-dollar piece of cloth, but we might be able to sell that pillow for fifty-nine dollars, and so some manufacturing ha- activity has gone into that. Well, there's, uh, as you're going to see, there's no free lunch because that re- creates a, a a huge gross profit in, in that particular case. You know, forty-five dollars worth of gross profit if you take the fifty-nine dollars, or I'm sorry, uh, I guess it would be. $55 or $54 of gross profit, if you take the $5 it costs you to buy the cloth and the uh, $59 worth of, of um, the pillow uh, the, or the sales price of the pillow, uh, that can look really great. You can say, well, maybe everybody who sells cloth should make pillows. Well, um, in, in the operating section, now you have to take into account what it costs you to make the pillow. So uh, we've, we've got the uh, cost to have a facility in terms of rent or, or mortgage. Um, we have the cost of utilities. We have the cost of office supplies and all, all of the other things that, that get spread out over a business. But where a retail operation might have uh, a sales staff a manufacturing operation is going to have in its gross uh, or in its operating expenses, it's going to have um, manufacturing costs. And that then uh, uh, is where you're going to take the person who had to make that pillow and you're going to have to pay them, uh, you know, their their wages, any benefits, etc. cetera. And then you're going to come up with your operating profit. So you might find that, uh, in the retail environment, your operating profit m- might end up being, um, let's say, $2 a-, a yard of cloth, just for argument's sake. So we had $5 that we paid for um, the cloth itself, and then $3 worth of expenses at, at the end of the month uh, when that-, that it costs to support selling that one square yard of cloth. So we ended up with $2 in, in profit. You might have, um, if you're making that pillow, you may have uh, a hundred, uh, fifty nine dollars in revenue, five dollars in pillow co- in, uh, in uh, the cloth of the cost of the cloth, and then you go da- back and say, okay, but now you've got um, the cost of employees and the cost of of maybe a manufacturing facility, sewing machines that you're using. They might have to be. Um, industrial if you're if you're making uh, a lot of uh, pillows so those machines are running full-time you might not be able to use a, an inexpensive or a less expensive commercial sewing machine so uh, you may actually end up making a dollar fifty for the in in gross profit or excuse me in operating profit for when you have a manufacturing facility versus the $2 you made in the retail facility. So there's, there is no free lunch. There's always a trade uh, when you're, when you're uh, selling a product and how much um, you take the raw materials and change them before you turn them over to the customer or what we call value added. So how much value does my business add to the raw materials that I turn around and sell to my customers? And that value, um, obviously we hope that that value increases the value of that raw material. So the uh, the the business model would be, I'm going to make pillows, and instead of making $2 in profit per pillow, in operating profit per pillow, I'm going to make $7 in operating profit per pillow. Um, otherwise, you might be better off just selling the cloth and letting people make their own pillows. So backing up a little bit, we go through, uh, as we review the income statement, we have uh, sales and we look at, at, are they as expected? When we look at uh, the cost of goods sold, we look at the cost that we're paying our suppliers and do we feel like that's uh, uh, appropriate? And uh, again, we're going to talk a little bit in a couple of weeks about ratios and analysis Uh, And so we talked about the uh, uh, sales and what to look at. When we start to look at uh, expenses, and we're going to talk about the, uh, as I mentioned, we're going to talk about the, the actual number analysis in a couple of weeks. But the expenses, when you talk about cost of goods sold or the cost of the products that we sell to customers... Uh, you can you can look at uh, you know, you kind of do a gut check. are you paying too much or too little? Uh, and some things that you can do about that are generally speaking, if you buy in higher quantities, you can pay uh, less per yard in the case of uh, selling cloth. Or let's say instead of buying five of a specific model of sewing machine, I buy 15. Uh, I can usually get a lower cost and you can look at at and and those are that's a trade-off because if you spend if, if you g- get more cloth you are going to end up paying more money and or if you buy fifteen sewing machines you're going to have to have that uh, inventory and uh, instead of cash so you had to spend cash to get those sewing machines and and so that's becomes a trade-off the uh, operating profit, we take a look at, or the operating section, we look at the expenses there and, uh, you know, we go back to our, our uh, are we paying $1,000 for coffee every month? Or, um, you know, what is our office supply expenses? And do we really, uh, do we really need uh, that level of expense for a specific line item? And you can look at that and to the first order right now, we'll just do a gut check. You know, if you spend a thousand dollars on coffee, maybe that's something to look at. Um, if you spend fifty dollars on pens in a month, that might be something to look at. You know, what what where are the, where are they all going? Um, and then the final one there is the net profit and the the interest and in taxes, which are primarily the things that will fall into this section that uh, small business owners will see. It, probably not even, to be honest with you, probably not worth even worrying about very much, because the interest should not be something that's driving your business, and the taxes are only an issue if you've made money in the first place. So if your operating profit was good, then you're going to pay taxes that will reduce your net profit. But that's, you know, that's part of, of um, you know, that's how our system works. If you if we make money, then we pay taxes. So uh, I don't get too terribly focused on the the that net profit portion of the the statement. I really stay focused on on how are we doing operationally, uh, and and keep it focused there. So we've gone through what the what the income statement is, what the components are, and uh, just some basic things to take a look at, and. Um, the, a, a couple of notes, some things to just keep in mind are, um, and these are these are not necessarily things that you're going to use for analysis, but they're things that, that you need to keep in mind when you look at a balance uh, income statement. One is that, uh, and this is true for balance sheets and, and statements of cash flow as well, and we'll talk about that next week, negative numbers on financial statements are usually not shown with a minus sign. Uh, typically, they are shown with uh, parentheses, so they'll be just in- included in parentheses if they're uh, negative. And I, I didn't mention that last week, and I wanted to, to throw that out this week. Um, some things to watch out for on, um, on your income statement is, uh, first of all, gross profit is not the key number. So watch out for the common mistake that gross profit is the key thing. Because if you take the example of, well, this cloth only cost me $5, and I'm selling it for $10, so I make great money, uh, no, you, that's not the whole picture. Um, you have to include all the operating expenses in those calculations before you really understand the impact of the sales price and, on, on your business. And so that's why I go back to operating profit is my favorite measure. But that makes it more difficult to uh, fly by the seat of your pants when you're running your business. Because if you're if you're standing at the counter and you have a customer saying, well, I know this only costs you $5, why are you selling it to me for 10 Well, that customer doesn't understand or isn't taking into account that you have to pay your coworkers, your employees. You have utilities, you have the building that you're standing in, you have the cost of of all the rest of your inventory, um, and you have to, uh, the business itself has to become profitable or remain profitable, and so it's very easy to get into this trap of thinking that uh, that making uh, $5 on a $10 sale is somehow doing your customers a disservice, and that couldn't be further from the truth, and I'm going to save probably most of that rant for another another episode, but um, making profit, especially gross profit, is in no way a criminal activity. It is a, a very important part of running a business, and even drilling down to making making good money uh, in operating profit is is uh, an important part of running a business. So um, be very careful about. Uh, Negotiating your pricing based on the gross profit or how much the the actual physical product costs you, and this becomes even more dangerous for businesses that are service based, because your your cost of goods becomes very low. Right, if you are um, uh, a teacher and you teach, uh, let's say you have a a, a yoga class. Your cost of goods is could be zero, right? But you still have to run a business and and make money. And it is very easy for both the business owner and the customer to um, say, well, why can't you discount? It doesn't cost you anything to discount that? Well, of course, it actually does cost you to discount it because you have other expenses in your business. That you have to take into consideration. Now, that's not to say that service-based businesses can't be very, very profitable, and often are. Um, well-run uh, services that are in demand can be very profitable and very, very good investments for their uh, for the, for an entrepreneur. But uh, but it is uh, also the true that it becomes uh, it's, it can be very easy to rationalize. A discount, both as an entrepreneur and as a customer, uh, when maybe that discount's not appropriate. So, um, and we'll, like I said, we're, we'll, I'll talk a little bit more about that in the future. The next thing I want to cover, uh, in terms of just general income statement information, is that the income statement covers a period of time. Generally, what we look at is a month, or a quarter, three months, or a full year. And in comparison, last week we talked about the balance sheet, and the balance sheet talks about a specific moment in time. You know, basically the, at the end of the business day on Friday, the 31st, this is what our, our business looked like on the balance sheet. So it's really a moment in time versus uh, an entire period of time, which is what the income statement covers. So that's an important thing to remember because they're not equivalent in, in terms of what they, what they represent. Um, profit can be called earnings or income. That's just a, a, kind of a, uh, an important definition to keep in mind. Um, and we talked about the income statement may, may be referred to as a profit and loss statement or P&L. The income statement does not show impacts of cash or all the impacts of cash such as the purchase of inventory or a large, um, or also known as a capital expense or investment. So if you ba- if we buy those 15 sewing machines, they're not an expense because we haven't sold them. And, uh, but they, and we, we aren't going to talk about revenue and expense recognition in this particular, um, podcast, but, um, uh, but they're going to be sitting on, uh, in your shell on your shelves and they cost you uh, a certain amount of money to purchase them so you have all of that cash is now gone because you sent it to the supplier and the value of those sewing machines is um, in your inventory account but not in cash but that doesn't show up on the income statement. So it's very important to understand that there, and, and, and the, the takeaway here is that the income statement does not show all cash transactions or all the impacts on cash that happened during a, a period. Um, we don't have to, it's not necessarily important that you walk away right now going, oh, I know exactly how the income statement doesn't Uh, all of the details about how cash is, is not accounted for on the income statement. Just understand that the income statement does not show you uh, a good representation of what happened to your cash during a, a, a period. So you could be very, very profitable and have no way to pay your bills because you bought all those sewing machines and now you can't pay your rent because you don't have the cash, And that is one of the biggest problems that small business owners run into is cash crisis. And we have cash crisis because we don't understand necessarily all of the ways that cash is impacted in our business. And that is what we're going to talk about next week when we talk about the statement of cash flows. And it is a very important financial statement. Um, It's also important for your business to be profitable, which is why we're talking about the income statement this week. So, like I said, suggested action. We already talked about it. Get your own income statement. Look it over. Uh, don't get consumed with it right now. Just if you if you're familiar with it, fine. You know, then you're off the hook this week. If you're uh, if you haven't looked at your income statement in a long time, or you're um, or you're you're not familiar with it, get a copy from your accountant and just start taking a look at it. And if you, um, if you have a question uh, or, or um, want uh, more clarification, leave a comment at the bottom of this, of the post for this episode, which is uh, at beyond50percent.com slash 2016 W48. And uh, let's, let's uh, have a discussion about it. Um, you can also, of course, call your accountant and and say hey i've got this question about uh about uh, revenue or i've got a question about uh, uh these operating expenses so the as i said the the freeform thought of the week this week my notes ran long so we're going to skip the tools of the trade we have uh we talked a lot about a lot of accounting tools last week and uh, so we can certainly just continue uh, if you're if you already have an accounting system um you know, certainly increase your familiarity with it. If you don't have an accounting system, uh, I, I still strongly encourage you to consider uh, one of the more basic ones just to, so that you are able to really uh, get a handle on the business financial information. So the freeform thought of the week this week, uh, I want to talk about friending the numbers of your, in your business. Uh, I talked about how last week about how your accountant can be a great ally in keeping your business in good financial shape. Um, and the numbers are no different. We, uh, oftentimes as entrepreneurs, we don't like numbers. Um, and there's, there's a few reasons for that. We don't like, um, uh, one is, is basically fear of the truth. And that comes from a few areas. We can, uh, the, the first one is that if the numbers don't look good, we have the idea that maybe that means we're not doing a very good job and nobody wants to be, to be made to feel like they're not doing a good job. What I want to say about that right now is being good in business does not mean that everything is always going well. Uh, there are a lot of factors that affect small business that are largely outside of the control of the business owner. Um, we don't control spending habits. We don't control the market. We don't control the political environment, and and you know the list goes on and on. What we do in business that separates successful businesses from uh, businesses that are not successful is that we do a better job of preparing for the eventualities that will come up. There's always going to be something that is going to stress put stress on your business. It's not important that your business is always doing great. It's important that you stay on top of how your business is doing. Stay informed so that you can make good decisions. You have to be continuously building and improving uh, not only the business, but your own body of knowledge. And that way you can address problems head on and prepare for things that are going uh, that may go poorly and respond correctly uh, to things that do occur, uh, or that are going on, you know, negative, negative things that are currently happening. So the second thing, so that's the first thing is, is maybe we, we don't want to feel like we're not doing a good job. The second thing is finding out that our business idea wasn't good. And believe me, as a business owner, uh, that is a terrible feeling that, the business idea just probably wasn't very good in the first place. And I want to point out, first of all, that a disappointing financial result or report does not mean that your business is not a good idea. A financial report is simply data. And it is our job as business owners to take that data and make the best possible decisions based on it. Now, I have a patent for a product that I've never brought to market. Um, so I, I really understand what it's like to realize when a product is not a good idea. And the, the reality was at the time that I developed it and got the patent, um, there wasn't a good combination of market size, manufacturability and fundability to bring the product uh, to the consumer base that would buy it. And it wasn't a good idea to pursue it. And I, it was a very disappointing position to be in because I'm passionate about the, uh, the product. I'm passionate about the, the activity that the product is related to. And uh, uh, it took me a long time to, to kind of recover from that uh, uh, you know, disappointment. But it also kept me from sinking even more time and energy and money into something whose time really hadn't come. And so that that doesn't mean that it's not a good idea forever. Uh, a good idea today, or something that is not a good idea today, doesn't mean it's never going to be a good idea. It just means it's not a good idea right now. And uh, if the conditions change, then the applicability of that product or the the opportunity for that product to meet a need in the marketplace will change, or may change, and so it's something that you can always keep in mind. Uh, and I'm looking forward to um, finding a, a manufacturing mechanism that will allow this product to be to be cost effective, and and hopefully someday I'll be able to bring it to market. Uh, but right now it's just not a good idea. So I understand. Um, the concept of not wanting to know that your idea was was not a good one. Um, but I also don't want you to get consumed with the idea that a single or even a series of financial reports that are, are disappointing don't mean that your business is bad. It may mean that you need help, uh, expertise that you don't currently have, but there are lots of resources out there to provide that. So uh, we don't want to hear that our business is a bad idea. That's fair enough, I, I, you know, but it's important to get the data. We also may not want to change, and I got to tell you, there's no getting around this one. If you want to build and grow a small business, you have to embrace the idea of change and lifelong learning. Especially in today's marketplace, there are uh, so many products on the market in virtually every industry, and uh, and the way that marketing is done, the way that we deliver our message to our customers changes so fast. There's there's a new social media website. You know, very regularly they come out, and um, you know which ones should be should you be on? Which ones matter to your your customer base? Um, and that's just the tip of the the iceberg, right? You've got uh, SEO manipulation or, or search engine optimization on your website. You've got um, there are still print magazines and print ads and billboards and and more traditional marketing activities. And then so we've got changes to products and and product competitors. We've got marketing issues. and we've got changes to the business operation. How do you become more efficient? How do you do your work? the best that you can to provide the best value to your customers uh, uh, in the most efficient way you can and the most effective way you can. And sometimes we get too emotionally invested in the how. So, uh, and it's easy to get confused with um, how I'm delivering value to the customer versus why and what I'm delivering to the customer's. And being able to negotiate that and say, okay, I'm, I'm, my business model originally started by me selling cloth to customers, but 96% of my my customers really wanted pillows. And so I've, I need to turn around and say, okay, I will do better for my customers if I start making pillows instead. So changing how we do our business may be critical to our long ter- long-term survival. And there's one last thing here that, um, you know, can cause us to not want to look at the numbers, and that's, you know, the language of accounting can seem foreign, and it it is. Um, and, and there are nuances within that language where we say sales and revenue aren't the same thing to an accountant, and to me as a small business owner, if I sell something, it's my revenue. And um, what, I, what I'll what i say about that is, yes, accountants have a language all their own. And there are very, very nuanced differences between some of the terms. But um, it isn't impossible to learn those terms uh, if you need to. But it's also... Re- important to remember the tremendous value of understanding your business's financials. And if you have to, you need to overcome that lingo barrier. And, and if you, if you look at your financials on a regular basis and you come to understand what they mean without the lingo, if you talk to a a coach or you talk to a, a trusted advisor, or you talk to your accountant and you understand what the numbers mean. You don't have to know the difference between sales and revenue if that doesn't matter to your business. So um, you don't need a degree in accounting or or um, or anything like that. You need to understand what the financial statement is saying about your business, and you can get that, um, and then you can leverage that without having to continuously be updating uh, necessarily on the, on the specifics of accounting. So what does the data do for? So those are all things, reasons why we might not want to look at data and, uh, and how we can certainly rationalize the avoidance of looking at data. But let's turn that around a little bit and say, what, um, why is it, why is that data so important? Well, uh, it is way. It is much better to get data so that we can improve the business in terms of uh, remembering that business is about delivering value to customers, and improving that is what numbers tell us. Numbers tell us how we can, uh, uh or or how we are or are not achieving that value delivery uh, in the best way possible. So we get the data so that we can determine how well we're delivering value to customers. We can't serve our customers if we aren't able to continue doing business. So, if if you make um, if if you make pillows, and you're delivering a, a great night's sleep for your customers, which as a small business owner, I'm sure you can appreciate a good night's sleep occasionally. You can't continue to serve those customers if you can't run if you go out of business all those people you could have provided a good night's sleep for they're out of luck because you're not you're not in business anymore because we didn't watch our numbers numbers also tell us where our time can be best spent to get the biggest benefit in business improvement so and and it may not be where you think and, and probably actually isn't what you think if you're not paying attention to the various financial statements that we talk about. Uh, if, if you're rolling along and you continuously think that revenue is your biggest problem, I'm just not getting enough revenue, I'm not, if I just got more revenue, so you're spending money on, on uh, Google AdWords and you're, and you're uh, building a Facebook marketing campaign and you, you uh, have a discount program well so now whatever revenue you've got you're spending all of these other you have all these other expenses and that is taking that is lowering that operating profit right so whatever you did have you're now lowering your operating profit and so another problem could be that your um uh, you keep thinking it's revenue, it's revenue, it's revenue, and you keep trying to drive revenue, but your expenses on uh, those particular products are so high that every time, uh, for example, we talked a little bit earlier about having a piece of cloth that we sold for $8 versus the one, or uh, excuse me, that cost us $8 versus uh, the $10 we sell it at, so we only made $2. Well, if you keep pushing the revenue, and the only thing you sell is that piece of cloth for $10 that you paid $8 for, your gross profit is still going to be very, very low. So you might be better suited to, instead of chasing additional revenue or sales, you might be better off talking to the supplier and saying, hey, I need to get the cost of this product down, or finding a new supplier or finding a product that is very, very similar, or or uh, a substitute that is equivalent, that has a lower cost for your side, and so. But if you don't look at the numbers, if you don't understand uh, what the what the picture is financially, you can't make that decision. So you keep chasing revenue when revenue is not the problem, and so it's very important to understand the numbers so we know what the real problem is so that we can do the right things efficiently and become effective business owners. So you can get a lot of value out of financial statements just by being familiar with them, by spending a little time with your accountant, a business coach, a trusted advisor, and get the information you need to improve without getting sidetracked by kind of superfluous information or the lingo and other things that are not going to Uh, directly affect the performance of your business so the income statement very important Uh, the numbers are important so I want to remind you accounting is your friend the numbers are the numbers are cold sometimes but they are a, a good representation of how your business is performing and they are the a really good way to start looking for business improvement So that's it for this week. Let's roll up our sleeves and get to work.